0: Earning his nickname is Showtime as he does the can-can for both sides of the Astrodome fans. He's showing off, he's styling for the folks, but he's cutting laps more than a second faster than the guys did in the first heat race. It's another Jeremy McGrath blitz here. The knack-knack kid, Showtime, whatever you want to call him, Jeremy McGrath on his way to winning the opener to the 1995 season. The knack-knack for the fans. And look at how low he jumped compared to Lampson. He does everything a little bit different. Jeremy McGrath not taking any chances on that triple with a knack-knack. Here comes McGrath. Win number 12. Jeremy McGrath. Look at that. How did you find out about Jeremy McGrath doing the knack-knack? And what did you think of it at the time? For me... It was the weekly copies of Cycle News sold on the counter of Motorsports in Clio, Michigan. I was just a few weeks away from turning 15 when the 1994 Supercross season started. The February 9th issue of Cycle News featured the first published photo of McGrath doing the knack-knack. Cycle News named McGrath their rider of the month and ran a small black and white photo of the champ swinging his right leg over to the left side of the bike while looking over at the crowd he had Mac attack on the back of his pants. I don't think I understood what I was seeing. Some weeks later, Motocross Action ran a full-color, full-page Chris Holtner photo of McGrath doing the same thing, and from the rear angle instead of the front. There was no confusion in that photo. Winning races came so easy to this guy that he had time for tomfoolery. He was practicing showboating tricks that came from other sports. I moved up to a Honda CR125 that spring, and I remember trying to do a knack-knack on a jump behind our house. My leg got as far as the top of the rear fender. That's it. I didn't have the guts to really swing it out there because I think I feared getting it stuck on the return. McGrath was such an influence in the 1990s, especially on us impressionable teenagers racing District 14 in Michigan. That connection made writing this article a very special experience. If you want to see photos, find the printed version of this story at WeWentFast.com. Search Knack Knack. And now, hang on. Sorry, I needed some caffeine in me, so I ripped open one of these individually wrapped single-serve packets from No Coffee. You tried these yet? They're perfect if you don't want to make a full pot. Or maybe you're at the track bench racing on the tailgate. Go for the coffee brand with a thumbs up logo. Visit nocoffeeco.com and get a 10-pack of single serves. That's n o o coffee C-O. com. Because listening to Moto Stories is so much better with coffee. And if you want to support We Went Fast directly, wewentfast.com/shop is the place to do it. T-shirts, stickers, posters, accessories. We Went Fast swag makes the perfect gift for friends and family, or treat yourself. You deserve it. WeWentFast.com slash shop. Okay, for real. Here's A Knack for Style. How Jeremy McGrath brought the knack-knack to Supercross. Skip Norfolk started running. Watching from the ground level, he saw Jeremy McGrath go into the air with his right leg being pulled off the back of the motorcycle. But he fell out of view before landing. Jack McGrath clutched his chest. Sitting in the press box, which was located above the triples, he thought his son had lost control of the bike. Journalist Chris Jonham looked around and wondered if anyone else had witnessed what he thought he saw. He figured he might have a scoop and made a note to ask McGrath about it later. Davy Coombs, watching from a metal end zone bleacher in Orlando's Citrus Bowl, quote, sat there in silent disbelief. My camera at my side, he wrote in a Cycle News column published February 2nd, 1994. In a 1994 afternoon practice session at round one of what was then called the AMA Camel Supercross Series, Mike Larocco, Mike Kudrowski, Jeff Emig, Jeff Stanton, Brian Swink, and others used their time to learn the course, make bike setup changes, and calm the butterflies that flutter in anticipation of important events. McGrath, however, was in a dress rehearsal for the victory lap trick he was planning to unveil that evening. On the last lap of practice at the Orlando Supercross, McGrath jumped the press box triples, briefly dismounted his Honda CR250 while glancing over at a bank of empty seats, and quickly brought his right leg back to the foot peg. Nobody on McGrath's team, his father, his mechanic, his manager, knew what the 22-year-old defending Supercross champion was up to. They thought he was crashing. But when he landed with the ease and grace that was his usual style, They met him back at the Honda box van with looks of disgust. He comes back in all grins and I had zero emotion, said Norfolk, McGrath's mechanic. If I was a cat, I lost three lives just then. Jack McGrath was furious and admonished his son in a fatherly manner to focus on winning races instead of trickery. Dave Arnold, Honda's team manager, pulled Norfolk aside and said, The next time your rider wants to do some crazy trick, make sure he tells us about it. He came off his motorcycle in the air. When Norfolk calmed down, he said to McGrath, That was cool. What did you do? After months of backyard sessions with his old BMX racing pal Eric Carter, jump contests at European Supercross races in late 1993, and a week in Oklahoma with Guy Cooper, McGrath publicly performed the knack-knack for the first time in America, albeit in front of a mostly empty 65,000-seat stadium. Although the trick became the identity and avatar of the rider already called Showtime, and soon to be the king, it took weeks before the media was able to properly identify it. At round two in Houston, Cycle News still called it the patented leg-over-seat maneuver, and ESPN's Art Ekman called it the can-can for several weeks. It's hard to fault the motorcycle industry for being confused. In 1994, the whip was still considered the most breathtaking aerial maneuver, and nobody was yet used to seeing motorcycle riders acrobatically dangling from their machines. The Enchanted Ramp What most people forget, or never knew, is that the origin of the knack-knack has a highly convoluted history in the world of BMX that traces back to the summer of 1987 on a a nine-and-a-half-foot-tall halfpipe in the shadow of an avocado tree in Lucadia, California. Or, depending on who is asked, it was first hucked by a group of rippers in Belfast, Northern Ireland in the late 80s. Either way, in the late 1980s, the trick popped up in the pages of BMX Action, which, along with BMX Plus, Freestylin', Go, and others, were the Bibles of the BMX Freestyle movement. The young sport, created by Bob Harrow, was growing so fast in the mid-80s, they couldn't keep track of the tricks being invented. Riding sessions didn't always have cameras present, and those that did were called photo shoots. Unlike today where sessions don't happen at all without photos being shot and a video camera is attached to anything that moves. Any new trick that was pulled showed up in a magazine three months later, and during that gap, a dozen other riders may have already learned it. So back to that summer day in 1987. Andy McSorley was a 14-year-old Grom just happy to not be kicking stones in his own backyard. Standing on top of the enchanted ramp, the fabled private halfpipe in Lucadia, California, that belonged to BMX rider Ron Wilkerson, McSorley made a suggestion to Brian Blyther, one of the top BMX freestyle pros of the time, and also the guy who allowed him to tag along to the session in the first place. Blyther, then 19, was known for blasting big airs and can-cans that peaked well above the fence line. McSorley remembers making a suggestion to Blyther, have you ever tried to put your can-can foot behind you instead of in front of you? He took two airs before he had it dialed, and it was stylish. Blyther didn't like the trick at first. Without forward momentum, the back can, as it was called by BMX Action, when the first photos were eventually shot and published, was more of a step through, with the leg in motion passing behind the calf, instead of swinging out over the seat and rear wheel of the bike, while the body twisted to play to a crowd of spectators. It didn't feel like it looked good, said Blyther, who is now a Montclair, California, police officer. Blyther remembers well the afternoon with McSorley and the suggestion, but the trick just became another part of his routine and wasn't something that earned him any extra notoriety. Meanwhile, in Northern Ireland... In Belfast, a young rider named Will Smith was devouring magazines and hitting ramps with his friends. They saw a photo of Blyther's back can and started incorporating it into their dirt jump routines. With forward momentum on the dirt doubles, they learned to swing their legs out wide and whip the bike out in front. When Smith saw a Spike Jones photo of Corey Unger doing the trick in a September 1988 issue of BMX Action, captioned as the Don't, don't. He wrote to editor Craig Gork Barrett and told him what he and his friends had been up to in Northern Ireland and that they called it a knack-knack, which is can-can spelled backwards. We were obsessive at the time, said Smith, who co-founded Dig magazine in 1993 and is still the editor and publisher. More photos ran in the ensuing months, and finally, in the March 1989 issue, Smith, by then a test rider for BMX Action, got a photo published of him pulling the contentiously named trick with the caption, Knack-knack, who's there? Will Smith. The name stuck. Smith feels there are major differences in the vert version of the trick compared to the dirt version he and his friends were doing, but cites Blither's back can as his inspiration. The story could get more complicated, like trying to figure out who did the first one-hander over a motocross finish line. But the brightest signs point to Blyther as the knack-knack originator, even if his vert-ramp version is different than the dirt version. The kicker is that Blyther, who was the king of vert champion in 1987 and 1988, doesn't care if he gets credit or not. I don't go out trying to lay claims, Blyther says today. It's strange to me. Thinking back, it's a huge trick now. It's McGrath's staple trick, but it wasn't something that was an awesome trick for me to do in every run. What does all this BMX history have to do with Jeremy McGrath? When Blyther was riding the walls in Upland, California at a place called Pipeline, McGrath was a young teenager hanging out at the fence line after his BMX races had ended. The knack-knack came shortly after McGrath quit racing bicycles, but he has vivid memories of watching Blyther, Eddie Fiola, and Mike Dominguez blasting airs out of the pool and hucking huge can-cans. McGrath said he loved to jump and built rhythm sections at home, but for reasons he still doesn't know today, he didn't ride Pipeline on his bicycle as a kid. He loved watching, but wasn't interested in the scene. Instead, he skateboarded at Pipeline because that's what all of his friends were doing. He also had a quarter pipe in his garage built by his dad and skated in the drainage ditches near his home. The no coffee is really kicking in now. I'm recording this story in the winter, and I want to run rich, so I went with 20 to 1 dark roast. The juniper flavors popped nicely in this blend. Visit nocoffeeco.com to get a box of single-serve packets for yourself, or buy it in whole bean in 12-ounce bags. Coffee might be what we're drinking, but talking and riding motorcycles is what we're doing. No coffee, no problem. Nocoffeeco.com. That's in dot Every item purchased at wewentfast.com shop helps tell more stories like the one you're listening to now. Need a gift for someone? Get your friends and family something that will make them smile and something that tells a story by visiting wewentfast.com shop. But not until this story is completed. I have alligator arms. In the fall of 1993, McGrath had just finished up his first true full season as a professional motorcycle racer. 16 rounds of supercross, 12 rounds of motocross, and the motocross of nations in Austria. During the downtime leading up to the 1993 FIM World Supercross races in November and December, he spent time riding with BMX racer and friend Eric Carter. They rode in the backyard of his parents' Sun City house, which sits next to the northbound side of I-215. McGrath loves to play ride and work on his style, and Carter remembers suggesting that he try a can-can over the triples. I have alligator arms, McGrath said. I could never get my legs over that tank. Then Carter suggested a superman, but Jeremy didn't like the idea of having both feet off the pegs. Finally, try a knack-knack. How is that going to work, McGrath remembered his reaction being. He had never tried that trick on a bicycle and, to this day, still hasn't. The first one was very awkward because the spinning of the wheels, coupled with all the body weight coming to the left side of the bike, went against physics in the air. Even after he brought the trick to the AMA Supercross races, he still felt like he was fighting the bike. He wasn't sure if he should have been leaning with the bike or against it, And if he tried to whip out the rear end like he does now, would he be able to get it back? Comfort came over time. The first knack-knack on a motorcycle that the public saw was in November 1993 in Barcelona during a Supercross Intermission Jump Contest. Guy Cooper wowed the crowd with his flat whips, and then toward the end of the jam session, he saw McGrath come off his motorcycle. When you had never seen it before, you think there's going to be a big crash at the end of it, Cooper said. Like the first time you saw a backflip. Cooper remembers the knack-knack only getting a mild reaction from the crowd, and McGrath didn't even finish in the top three. The crowd wasn't sure what he'd done because they were on his left side, which meant that his right leg was coming toward them, and it made the maneuver appear less impressive. Cooper, opposite the crowd, was so blown away that he invited McGrath to Cooperland. They spent the week between European Supercross races riding, including a session on Cooper's play bikes, a pair of beat-up Suzuki DR350s. They practiced the knack-knack on a big uphill triple with a forgiving landing. The two took the trick back to Europe and went 1-2 in the next jump contest. At the beginning of the new Supercross season in America in 1994... While most riders focused on bringing down their lap times, McGrath used the triples in practice and in the heat race to send a message to the field. 1993 wasn't a fluke, and I'm so comfortable right now, I can make time to do tricks you've never heard of. As a competitor, that's not what you want to see, said 1997 AMA Supercross champion Jeff Emig. How are you going to beat this guy? He can do anything on a motorcycle. He wasn't beating up on the other riders. It was a salute to the crowd and his fans, Jack McGrath said. Jack was the one who gave Jeremy the nickname Showtime, and two-time Supercross champion Ricky Johnson had provided a lot of flashy influence on the young McGrath. But to say Jeremy was actively searching for a signature move, something that was to become his identity, isn't quite accurate. He was just having fun. When freestyle motocross was included in ESPN's X Games in 1999, McGrath was on the short list of invites, according to Paul Tablieb, the original MotoX sport organizer and the co-director behind *Unchained: The Untold History of Freestyle Motocross*. Tablieb wasn't concerned that McGrath didn't have lots of tricks. The negotiations never made it past McGrath's manager, Jeff Sirwall, and today McGrath chuckles at finding out about being courted. I'm a one-trick pony, he said. I would have declined the invitation. He may have been doing it for the spectators, but others perked up as well when Jeremy showed that the motorcycle wasn't just a functional machine to be used for racing and that it was okay to be an individual and express yourself. Two young men, John Freeman and professional snowboarder Dana Nicholson, were working on a video at the time. Jeremy doing that knack-knack definitely got our attention, Freeman said. We ate it up and wanted to film with him more. Later that year, when their little project, "Crusty Demons of Dirt, was released, its cast of characters arguably became more famous than motorcycling itself. Today, Freeman is the other director of the Unchained documentary. The knack knack certainly separated me from the competition and being different, McGrath said. That's just the kind of person I am. I want to be different. Different lines, different style different path. And down under? In Australia, a young man named Chad Reed was winning minicycle races on his country's east coast and started trying the knack-knack in his own backyard in 1997 when he was 15. Now, a mostly retired two-time Monster Energy Supercross champion, Reed still enjoys throwing the knack-knack at the track, just as casually as Damon Bradshaw once did no-footers or Jeff Ward a finish line fist pump. While McGrath's style and dominance were appealing to Reed, he also saw something in his attitude and the way he carried himself. Even when he might have been struggling, he had this way of making it seem fun, and everyone envied that, I think, Reed said. It's interesting that the full history of a BMX trick gets told on a podcast devoted to dirt bikes. But that's because of two reasons. One, the knack-knack was a footnote of a trick in BMX. Filler in a contest run. And in the 1980s, new BMX tricks were being unveiled at every contest. Two, the knack-knack had way more impact on motorcycling than it ever did in BMX. The bottom line? If it were not for Jeremy McGrath, nobody would be writing anything about the knack-knack in the 21st century. We had no idea that the little session that went down in that Sun City backyard would transpire into what it did, said Eric Carter, who witnessed the very first motorcycle knack-knack. But the same could be said about Jeremy McGrath, really. Footnote. Nobody got a photo of the knack-knack in the main event that night in Orlando in 1994. Pressured late in the race by Mike Larocco, McGrath put his head down and focused on getting to the finish line first. One week later in Houston, he did two knack-knacks on the final lap of the heat race. Davey Coombs had his camera ready that day. If you enjoyed this story and want to see more and want to support the brand, go to wewentfast.com shop. Pick yourself up a t-shirt, accessories, books. Every dollar you spend goes back into helping tell more stories at wewentfast.com. Thanks for listening.